You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. And we are here with a new novel, The Ghosts of Paris by Tara Moss. And we are joined, as promised, as foretold in The Great Prophecies by Dom Romeo from 2SER's own sponsorship team. Dom, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be a part of this, I've got to say. I've been looking forward to this. I am so excited to finally be in a radio studio with Dom. It has been eons, I think, (laughs) that I've been in Dom's circle. We first met at a 40th anniversary event for 2SER a couple of years ago, and I... I've loved every moment of your company, Dom, so it's an absolute treat to have you on the show. Oh, I'm flattered. I'm not going to live up to this. <laughs> I'm glad you two had such a bond. My goodness, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you. I'm I, I, I'm really looking forward to this. And, Ben, I've actually met you once. <laughs> I know. I've met you once, which it, it's at least as significant as, you know, knowing you for 40 years or however long Flex has known you. So, <laughs> it hasn't you know. been 40 years. It was the 40th anniversary of the station. No, no, that's not, that's, well, obviously Flex is as old as the station, it, clearly. It feels like 40 years, sure. Okay, so Dom, you were the one that brought us Tara Moss's crime fiction to feature on the show. We've, we've actually spoken about her a few times with like Craig Sisterson and some other crime fiction critics because like her work, I think, surprised a lot of people with how competent it was for effectively a celebrity figure entering the world of crime fiction. Could you tell us a little bit about Tara? Look, I, I can probably tell you far too much and you're going to want to edit it out. So <laughs> uh, if this doesn't go for an hour, know that it's been edited. So look, everyone knows Tara Moss as once having been a model. Now, if I describe Tara as a former model turned writer, then she deserves to hate me because that's the wrong way to describe her. She was actually writing long before she had a career as a model, but she was just a kid then. She was writing great stories about the grisly demise of all her classmates. (laughs) She had a career. She decided, I still love the writing. I'm going to write something and hand it in name unknown and it astounded and amazed everyone and they didn't know who it was from. It astounded and amazed them all the more when they realised it was from Tara Moss. So I, I want to make no more reference to her as anything but an author at this stage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And a wonderful human being that I'm proud to call a friend. Knowing her, she has taught me a lot about bigotry I wasn't aware of yeah. that I had because I thought I was open-minded. Everyone does till they're shown that they're yeah, not the, quite. Yeah, the, the line is exactly one step <laughs> behind you at all times, right? Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, uh, is that enough? Does it, do you have a feeling of I, who Tara is? I think that's pretty good. The only other thing that I want to mention before we properly dive in on your last point there, Dom, is that Tara is also, is it a UNICEF advocate for refugees and children displaced by war, which is obviously a big impact on this particular text. Yes, yes, and and that is very important too. And the other thing she she now is very vocal about is disability. Yeah, which you know I kind of like still learning and, <laughs> and bettering myself as I get older. Yeah, well, I think that the I mean the general theme of the novel talking about all the ways in which women. Uh, you know, back in that in that day in the 1940s, it's supposed to stay with with their men, and the men are supposed to look after them. And pointing out the uh, the inherent hypocrisy there, and I think using uh, her mother and Vera Montgomery, who's the like the 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 classic dame in this story, who comes to us with the actual crime that we're supposed to be solving, um, using those characters as kind of practical examples of of why. You know, if you say, you know, you could rely on your man to provide you for you for the rest of your life, 
sometimes that doesn't work at all. Yeah, I, I thought it was particularly interesting looking at the way that we deal with Mr. Charles, who I guess is our like foothold character for understanding this book's approach to bigotry. Mr. Charles's wife basically uh, pays Billy to go do some private investigation, figure out all of the cheating that he's been doing because he's he's not a happy man at home. Uh, it turns out that he's gay and that he's been going down to King's Cross and having rendezvous with men. But I, I did enjoy the way that like Billy was still forced to kind of like struggle between her obligation and her personal feelings about that. Because it was still illegal. Yeah. And and she is fighting the good fight, you know, against crime. So is that a crime? I mean, it seems like it shouldn't be. There's a lovely chapter that deals with all of that where we're seeing Mr. Charles's predicament, but it's kind of paralleled to anti-Semitism yeah. and also the fact that Billy is Ms. Billy Walker, yeah. even though yes. she's married and even though her husband's not on the scene. And what's even more beautiful, this is one of those moments where I go, Tara, thank you, I didn't know this. I always thought Ms. was a late 20th century invention for equality. The book itself states that it was first introduced at the beginning of the 20th century, an honorific that didn't give away a woman's position in society. Yeah, there's lots of examples in the book of characters who they they say, oh, it couldn't possibly be Ms. It must be Miss or Mrs. or you're married or whatever. But I think that Tara Moss does an excellent job of taking that the gender discourse and the pronoun discourse and it's like it's it's the same as you know what they say about science fiction. Like even though you're writing in the future, you're really writing about today. And with historical fiction, it's it's the inverse, which is always fun. She is very insistent that people call her by the pronouns, by the title that she has chosen for herself. I think I think the other thing that's really fun about this novel is the pull so far that we get to go to Europe, to Paris. Ghosts of Paris is the title of the book. And Billy Walker, we're not at yet. <laughs> we're not at yet. And no. Billy Walker is dragged over to Paris by Vera Montgomery, whose husband Richard went missing a couple of years ago. She's now pregnant and basically wants to find out if he's dead so that she's not tied down in the very restrictive legal framework for married women. Tara set it up so that Vera's story is so blatantly a parallel for Billy's without feeling like they're competing for space narratively by having similar themes. I thought that the balance there was really good. Totally agree. And I think it's cute that now at this stage you can go, who are the ghosts of Paris? Is it Richard Montgomery yeah. or is it Jack Rake, the man that Tara... Ma I'm going to say that again and you're going to edit that out. <laughs> the man that Billy married before the end of the war who has been missing in her life. Can I tell you guys, the, the ghosts of Paris for me really are the catacombs because I, I went to Paris as a very young lad with my family and I didn't want to go to the catacombs. I thought they would be too scary. So I now regret in my adult years, not having gone. I'll have to go back one day and confront that horrible, horrible past. I mean, listen, Hertz, we can always send you there as a, like, show, Please you do. know, excursion so that you can record an episode only, from the catacombs. Only if you ship me in a coffin uh, inside an unpressurized World War II bomber plane. That's the only Lane method Castrian. of transportation I'll <laughs> <That's accept. right. laughs> Now, Now that you say that, I reckon, I've never done this and I feel like I should have with the first novel yeah. and now I should do it with this one, is work out how real, and I'm sure she's done her research and all of the places mm -hmm. she name checks and all of the, you know, the York Motors sign in Bayswater, I reckon they did exist and I think we three should set up the Billy Walker tour 
<laughs> for any Tara Moss fans who come to Sydney, especially during Writers' Festival. I think the other thing uh, that I did want to touch on before we kind of close the chapter here and turn over to the mystery section is the the kind of way that we deal with Billy's relationships in the story. Because obviously we have Jack Rake over in Europe who's disappeared, the parallel for Richard Montgomery, as I mentioned. Are we going to talk about Sam? Oh, well, yes, best, we're definitely the, talking the about Sam character. Oh my God, I love Sam. I Look, I love that he's so awkward and yet so capable. He's my boy. What I love about Sam, and I only realized this quite recently, I kind of hated the character. I hate Ooh. that there's a himbo. And then I went, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Of course. That sounds about this right. This is the <laughs> obvious reversal to make me realize that the token gorgeous who doesn't who ends up not being token yeah. sidekick <laughs> is, you know, is a trope that needs to end. It, it, it's kind of interesting I think because so many of the sidekick characters that we've had over the course of our like year of very historical fiction so far this year kind of have all been challenging that archetype it, it's the most exciting way for a trope to die you know <laughs> <laughs> everyone to kill it in different ways this is like a, an agatha christie mystery about who killed the trope <laughs> yeah, yeah. man that's that's a next level of metafiction for us to get to next time we do that herds <laughs> i'm looking forward to it as i said we should throw over to my discussion with tara moss now talking a little bit about the background for this novel and we'll be back towards the end of the show to throw dom into the fire Yay. of solving this mystery <laughs> You're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds, and Dom here. If you're a Murder Mystery World Tour, you're on 2SER 107.3. Stick around. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex here with you. As part of your Murder Mystery World Tour, we are featuring Ghosts of Paris, the latest novel by incredible author Tyra Moss, who is an international bestseller, human rights ad- activist, podcast host, documentary host, and uh, many other achievements along the way, Tara. I think there would be many people who would be jealous of such an illustrious career. How does it feel to have the latest Billy Walker mystery out in the world? It feels so wonderful. Um, Is this book number 14, Lucky 14, but every time I have a new book come uh, come out, it feels... It kind of feels the same in that it's this sort of birth into the world. It's always exciting to me. None of that gloss has come off of the experience of being published. One of the things that was most interesting to me about seeing Billy Walker between these two novels was her approach to the culture of the places that she visits, seeing the fashion of the people around her, seeing the styles of the buildings, seeing the like impact of the war on the world around her. I think, what is it about that presence of mind of a detective character in the way that they view the world that makes them so enjoyable as a writer to tell a story through? Well, I think a detective is always a wonderful protagonist. Um, And she was a war reporter before she became a private inquiry agent. So she's already a very observant person and someone who cares a lot about what's happening in the world and what's happening in people's lives. It's a natural curiosity. And I guess for me as a storyteller, that's something I have in common with Billy Walker. I'm really interested in people and lived experiences. It's a pleasure to see through her eyes because she does see so much. And of course, that has form in this genre. If we look at hard-boiled or noir, and we look at, say, Philip Marlowe, for example, 
there's a classic character that really helped to form the genre who noticed all the things about the people around him and what that said about their social status, their situation, what they're trying to um, express. Philip Marlowe was always looking for those types of details. And I see Billy Walker doing that in her own way with those extra bits of insight she gets as someone who literally in the 1940s has to make her own clothes to, you know, to glide in there and look like she belongs. Yeah, I did really like at the beginning of Ghosts of Paris, uh, the story of Mr. Charles and how, you know, his dress stands out like a beacon, but yet he's also trying to hide these secrets. I think, you know, how for you as an author, do you kind of play with that idea of both the real way that people use their fashion, but also the narrative ways that we can use fashion to kind of speak about characters? Because there's something really interesting to me about like a man who is trying his hardest not to draw attention to himself, also (laughs) wearing this like bright yellow vest. Well, that is what men wore at the time. I mean, it's... uh... So he's doing a few things at once. Mr. Charles is trying to make an impression for those he wants to have see him. He's using fashion in part to do that in the fashion of the day. And that at the time fashionable yellow vest is going to make him stand out. And Billy Walker pushes the edges of what's uh, acceptable and fashionable for her when she dons her dark blues and things specifically for this nighttime sleuthing. And she can do that knowing that, you know, if she walked into a restaurant and ate and that it would raise a few eyebrows, but she can do it in the shadows of King's Cross. So she's using fashion strategically in lots of different ways. And Mr. Charles, I think, I think he's wearing what he feels expresses who he is within the fashions of the time and probably actually didn't know that he was being watched. And, and, you know, people's lives are messy. They're not simple and you don't always do things exactly the way that might make sense you know he's not wearing black and hanging out in the shadows yeah yeah being a human i i I think the other thing that was particularly interesting about this stretch of chapters was the way that you set up the prologue where to me to say nothing of what actually ends up happening it reads to me as though we're seeing through jack's eyes uh in the opening chapters you know we find out about his disappearance of course and I was really struck by the way that the opening of the novel almost read like kind of gothic horror. I think of Mm. like, you know, uh, fantasy board games where people have like these big barbed spiky tanks with skulls hanging off the side. And that's almost how you portray a German tiger too in the opening, (laughs) I guess having, you know, worked for UNICEF and both books feature heavily the way that like the victims of war have been so horribly hard done by, you know, how is it trying to put that into novel and still telling a compelling story while acknowledging how deep and visceral these atrocities run? I think it's important to remember that what we think of as sort of schlocky horror is actually oftentimes what you're faced with when you're in real war and conflict situations. You'll sometimes, and I can speak with some experience here, not nearly as much as, as many others, but I can speak with some experience and say that when you see the effects of violence or you can see violence being carried out, it is, there's horror. I mean, it actually is horror. And I think it's one of the reasons we have the horror genre is, is to explore and kind of process and come to terms with our knowledge that these things exist in the world. So the fact that you 
you kind of see that in that opening scene. It wasn't necessarily my intention, but it's like naturally there. And even the skulls, you know, talking about the skulls, I mean, the Nazis actually wore skulls on their uniforms. I mean, uh, Topenkopf, I think it was called. The Topenkopf was like this, this skull that they wore, and it was part of the psychological warfare that they were um, carrying out. You know, this show of like, I am death. I am it was almost divine. It was like, I have the right to bring death. Yeah, I guess the other thing that I wanted to to drag us back away from the war is talk about all of the personal relationships in this book, because, you know, Billy's mother seems to desperately want to set her up with Sam. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're off seemingly on a hunt for Jack, but also kind of on a parallel hunt for Vera's husband, where they, they probably are both dead, right? That's definitely how fiction works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sure it's really simple. <laughs> for me, with Billy, the big picture is never about the romance, but the romance is part of the dance of being human. She's heterosexual, so she's interested in guys and they're around. And there's she has them and that makes them she has them she well she kind of does she's kind of like drawn them into her sphere right she's a little bit magnetic in that respect as a writer you're constantly setting up reasons why things are going to get close but never quite get there and i think that also does reflect the reality of difficult times you know this is a post-war period where there's a lot at play like you might be very attracted to someone, but they might be widowed. You might be traumatized. We tend to tell and retell stories of the military. But for me, what I'm interested in is the, the human stories of the everyday people, if you will, who did extraordinary things. And whether that's taking a chance on love, you know, amongst it all, that is kind of heroic, actually. You know, a, a lot of people didn't know if they'd be around the next day. And that intensity is something that's you know, it's it's hard to live through, but it's a delicious part of uh, of writing because you're trying to capture that, you know, the extremes of human nature. And it's right there in every story from that time. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely one of the like, big takeaways from this book is that it, it manages to bring out that sense of heroics in the everyday stories so compellingly. And I think it speaks volumes to me that this that there's a small scene where we effectively cut away and tell about the time that Billy gave just a probably a little bit too much scotch to Winston Churchill. And <laughs> that's like, you know, f- pales in comparison to so many of the other tales in the book when to most people they think, oh, the day you spent with Churchill that's got to be the greatest thing you've ever achieved. Like, absolutely not. And, you know, I, I think it's such a prime example of how well you've managed to, as you say, drag uh, the ordinary stories to the forefront in uh, in this book. Thank you. Thanks. That's that's my intention very much. And, uh, you know, The War Widow was dedicated to my Oma and Opa, who are a great example of ordinary citizens doing extraordinary things, surviving World War II in, in occupied Holland. I mean, they weren't they weren't soldiers and, you know, spies. They were just trying to survive. And they did things that are, you know, now I just, the bravery that it took uh, was, was extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. There you have it. All right, Tara, <laughs> we'll bid you farewell and head on back over to the rest of the Ghosts of Paris. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and I uh, can't wait to see that third Billy Walker mystery you've uh, oh, yeah. carefully dropped a, a note of at the start. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it's filling my brain at the moment. I just love being in Billy's world, and I hope the readers do as well. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Our pleasure. This is Death of the Reader. We are discussing Taramos right there and her novel, The Ghosts of Paris, which is newly released this year. Stick around. More to come. You're on 2SER 107.3. You're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds, and Dom from Hello. 2SER, here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. We are discussing Tyra Moss's The Ghosts of Paris. It is the second book in the Billy Walker series, brand new. We are talking chapters 1 to 12. Dom is in the hot seat to solve this mystery. And Herds, it's been a while since we've both been the experts on a particular novel. How are we going to approach this challenge? I don't know. I'm just enjoying being in friendship with you and being on the same team for once, not trying to claw your or my throat out. That's really nice. Let's let's lay out the mystery, I guess. We're, we're trying to find this, this poor woman's husband. She doesn't have enough money to get by. We got we got all this all this Charles stuff going on in the background. There's a lot there's a lot going on right now, and we haven't even been to Paris, which I think is the thing that I found most shocking about this novel. Not the war crimes, the fact that we may never even see Paris. Dom, do you think we'll ever see Paris? Well, I think I think Ben, what we should do here, Dom, if you're unfamiliar the way that the mystery game works here on Death of the Reader, when you are playing for the away team, the guests, the red shirts, Sean Britton's team, as we as we call them. It's true, he is the captain. <laughs> He's my arch nemesis Can I and just captain. Interrupt, please, and please. Boss. So, yep. okay, let me get this straight. So, because Ben and you aren't tearing each other's throats out, yes. you're both going to tear mine out. Absolutely, I've we got are, the yeah, red shirt the on. So, Captain Kirk's already told me to go and dig the hole, yes. and he'll it'll become <laughs> obvious why later. Yes, right. So, look, we're, we're missing a we're missing a husband, Dom. Vera, Vera Montgomery's husband is is missing, presumed dead in Paris. Uh, do you? I mean, do you have any thoughts on where he is? Maybe he's been in Sydney the entire time. My thoughts are he's an ad man, mm. so is Mr. Charles. He's an ad man. I think he, he sometimes is. bats for the other team. Whether or not I, – I think he's probably too honourable to actually be away just because he's not in love with his wife. But we note that they had no children and he liked photographing women. I don't think he's a fornicating git. I think they have no children because either he's not that interested in women or he couldn't perform or whatever. I think he might be gay, but that's not why he's away. And I think what that means is he will grant the divorce and the only reason he hasn't is because, you know, he's in trouble with some Nazi criminals who are hiding somewhere. Nazi criminals? The one thing that I will say, though is that uh, not only are they both admin, we actually, at the end of chapter 12, get a uh, a letter talking about why he's left. We don't get to see the contents of that letter, but just before we see that letter, we also get to look at a picture of Mr. Charles and Richard Montgomery in the same place, same time. True. So there's definitely a deeper connection going on there that we'll have to pick your brains on a little bit, Dom. I, I like the gung-ho-ness of this theory. This is the kind of confidence yeah. well, I aspire to on this there's, show. There's a letter that says, like, we'll find him. You think that's from the, the Nazis, the, the anti-gay Nazis? Is that what is that what you're going, Dom? As opposed to the not anti-gay Nazis. Yes, there is a distinction. <laughs> <laughs> it is slim. Um, they did wear very nice suits. It's not existent, basically, but it's there. Hugo Boss, I believe. I'm not sure where the letter came from. I hadn't thought enough about that. That's a really good question. If you will find him, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it was from Hercule Poirot. Yep. That's it. 
So, so, sorry, he said he's Belgian, not French. I'm about to get crucified in the comments for that one. <laughs> get, get, get on it. Get on it, comments. Let's go. Oh, well, I, oh, I, I think the other thing is obviously we're, we're looking for Richard, but what about Jack? Because we've already established oh, no. that there are parallel there. Has the same thing happened to Jack as happened to Richard? Are they going to be are distinct they the same opposites? character? Uh, I need to know, Dom, do you think they are the same person? I'd be lying if I said the thought had crossed my mind, but oh, what a, what a great thought to have. <laughs> I, I need to think about that one. Yeah. I want to say oh, no because no, actually, yes, they're the same person. They're gay. Billy gets to marry Samuel, and uh, Vera gets to marry whoever knocked her up. <laughs> you know what? I think I'd be I think I'd be okay with that ending. The other twist that we have to pull on you here, Dom. Of course, if you're unfamiliar, is that in our quadruple or nothing game for 2022. Uh, the, the way that it works is that you have to pose a different theory in week one and week two here. So. You, you can pick either of those theories at the end of week two before we go to the uh, we go to the jury to actually see how your points are laid out. But just keep in mind you got you got to come up with something a little different before we uh, before we roll on into the second week. I think the other thing that's an interesting challenge that we've posed here is that introduction, which you said you thought was Jack in Poland saving a woman involving a tank. Some rope. Are you saying that might have been Richard? I mean, you said that they're the same person, so I guess implicitly I'm saying yes. And and implicitly <laughs> I'm saying I didn't think that initially. I just warmed to it after Ben said it. Okay, so what's the timeline? The prologue begins in 44. We're currently in 1947. He's been gone for two years. Does that, because 44 to 47, it's not the end of 47, it's May Day. Oh, that works. It does. It might oh, be no. Richard. It might be Richard, but the the other question I have, I suppose, is what is he doing with that tank and that photograph? Is it just a random woman on the front of that tank and we're just seeing the plight of refugees towards the end of the war? Or is that going to be a particular connection that we come to uncover later in the book? That has to be a connection. You don't just have a, a random woman strapped to the front of the, a random the tank. tank. Unless it's a Peter Cook routine with Dudley Moore. You know, <laughs> that time that random woman was strapped to the front of the cab. That, uh, <laughs> cab the tank that just doesn't happen what is what is a tank if not just a very sophisticated cab <laughs> i mean it'll get you where you want to go yeah um, true and and what is a tank in in that particular image apart from the biggest phallic symbol in the world oh my god isn't it just i think the other thing that we have dom uh that i spoke with tyra about in the middle section of the show of course is that tyra wanted to know how you would approach the back half of this novel i'm not going to ask you to answer this question today. I want you to percolate on this, to, to let it steep. Think about how you would approach bringing that story to an end, because as we said at the beginning, there are so many different threads to tie up. There's so many different themes. There's characters could, that could overlap, that could be mm. the same character. Opportunities are endless. How do you make a satisfying ending out of the tapestry? You don't have to resolve everything, but... We'd like you to, <laughs> to try. Firstly, I'd like to say there are two characters that were introduced in the first section that we haven't mentioned at all. One of them is the police officer that uh, Billy's friends with who worked with her dad before he gave up being a copper and became a, a private investigator. And also Shyla, the Indigenous Australian who's mates with Billy and is her informant but won't work for her because working for a white woman as part of the stolen generation yeah. is something that is anathema 
to Shyla. Especially someone who with such a close connection to the cops as well. Yeah, yes, exactly. So I'm wondering how they fit in. I'm sure they must fit in again. What about Billy Walker's mother's earrings that we're trying to find? You mentioned the, the cop who was like, we spotted your earrings around, literally around the corner. And Billy was like, I'm going to go chase that up. And she clearly hasn't. What's going on there? Ben, I love you. I'd forgotten about the earrings totally. And I was like, was that in the first novel? What's he even talking about? That's, well, that's... why the copper's in there. Okay, the woman who's wearing the earrings, I think yeah. she once was strapped to a massive Tiger Two tank. Oh, my goodness. I'm so here for this. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> How did she get the earrings? How did she get... Billy Walker's mother's, what's her name? Ella von, von Hooft. How'd she get those earrings? It's beautiful. Ella Best von character. Hooft sold them in uh, trying times. I think the idea that they were stolen is probably rubbish. I think they were sold uh, to make some money when, when Ella was widowed. Uh, and I think they were bought legitimately by uh, the woman that was strapped to the tank. I'm sticking by that. I'm going to die on that hill uh, before... My red shirt comes off and I, I die in the this. hole you made me dig earlier. Can I say, I, I'm so sorry that Flex tried to hide this from you. I need to let you know that I'm the only one you can trust on this show. I'm so glad we're talking about the earrings. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> They're mm. the MacGuffin that brings uh, Billy and the woman strapped to the tank together to find out more about. Now I don't know. Is it Jake? Is it Richard? Is it is it Rake or Jitchard? Is he Rake Rake? <laughs> Jitchard? I'm combining oh, the two characters. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Next week on the show, we will be covering chapters 13 to 24 of The Ghosts of Paris by Tara Moss. Hope you're enjoying the book so far. By all means, hit us up to scr.com slash death of the reader with a hyphen between each of those last four words. Find the contact details and let us know what you're thinking about the book because it's always great being a part of that community and getting involved with the discussion. This is your Murder Mystery World Tour here on 2SER 107.3. We'll be back, as I said chapters 13 to 24 next week. Until then, we're out of here.